Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. Down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by the memorable, miraculous, and monumental Mad Wizard Merwin. What is up, Sean? Well, Chris, now I am 75% awake. <laughs> Instead of the 80% Instead awake being... after the first mishap that we had while recording? Yeah, everything blew up, but but we're going. We're good. We're awake. Um, now, you know, I think we've practiced, so so this should be even better than the first time. Yeah, so let's get into some announcements. You were at GameholeCon, which was apparently amazing, because apparently you can't walk more than five feet without running into a guest. Yeah, uh, the first guest I ran into was actually at the airport on the way, catching my connecting flight. Um, I'm hustling because I think I'm late for my connection, and there's Chris Perkins sitting there waiting to get on the flight. Uh, Some people from Steve Jackson Games were there. And then within 10 seconds of entering the convention center, I'm talking with Brett and Sean from Gaming and BS, Jason Hobbs, just a whole bunch of uh, people. And that was just, you know, within the first minute or so. Uh, The first night we had dinner at the pub that Alex Kammer owns, uh, where the game hole is located. So we got to see that again, had a good dinner there. And then it was just straight on, full up gaming panel seminars all weekend. Um, That sounds like a lot of stuff. Yeah, like... All the Watsy folks that normally come to conventions were there. Um, you know, Mike Merles, Chris Perkins, Jeremy Crawford, Chris Lindsay, Shelly Noble. The list goes on and on and on. And all of the Adventures League administrators were there except Amy, the, the new person. Uh, but mm-hmm. Matt Mercer was there. Patrick Rothfuss was there. Uh, Matt, Matthew Lillard was there. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. By the way, I didn't even know he was, like, into all that stuff, Matthew uh, Matthew Lillard. Yeah. like. Wow, that's that's nuts. I mean, I didn't know they got Matt Mercer. I know what his appearance fee is. Mm-hmm. Holy Lord. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and the fans were going wild. I guess he had trouble getting from one thing to the next because he was coming just to play. And oh, yeah. really? And so uh, he uh, he he wasn't even a guest. He was well, just he there. was a guest, but he yeah, he was there to do some live stream games and he wasn't running anything. Ah, and, interesting. Yeah. OK, so. My particular schedule was I did a panel on the first day on monster design with Megan Markle from Cobalt Press and Adam Bradford from Curse and D&D Beyond. Uh, Wolfgang was supposed to be there, but he couldn't, so he sent Megan in his stead. And let me tell you what, Megan is the smartest monster person I know. Really? She was, we, we created, a, we did the first half of the uh, seminar talking about monster design tips and so on. And then we did, let's create a monster on the fly with suggestions from the audience. And, you know, people were yelling out suggestions, and Megan just kind of knew, oh, if we're at CR10, then this is that, and that's this. And, and I mean, I'm pretty good with those things, but she was spot on. She had the chart basically memorized. Uh, it was it was pretty impressive. And That is really impressive. And it was awesome to talk with Adam Bradford, too, because he is um, he's the one in charge of D&D Beyond, basically. Um, you know, it's mm. features, it's coding and all of that. And so he was talking about some of the new things that were coming with D&D Beyond in the future in the, in the panel before ours. And then in ours, he talked about the monster designer that they're going to create uh, for D&D Beyond. 
so you can take your CR1 you know, veteran and bump it up or bump it back with just a click of a button. So if you wanted a level 10 guard or a CR10 guard instead of a CR18 guard, you just use what will be their monster designer in D&D Beyond and be able to do that. That's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, it was great to be on the panel, not just to talk, but to hear all the all the cool things that people were talking about. Uh, I played in a game DM'd by Chris Lindsay that was a Mert-led pub crawl. So you uh, were invited by Mert, the moneylender, to go on a pub crawl with him. Where, Which is hilarious. Where various things happened. And I've never been as exhausted just from role-playing as I was by the end of that game. I mean, Chris Lindsay looks kind of like Mert the Moneylender, he does. if you ask me. He has the whole costume when he really wants to uh, go the full the full boat. but uh, When he wants to go full Mert? When he wants to go full Mert, yes, but you never go full Mert. <laughs> but, you know, he was telling stories about wearing the costume at Origins and then at the, uh, was it the Stream of Many Eyes. W- w- wherever he played Mert on one of those streams... Um, the costume weighs like 30 pounds, and it has a full mustache and, and everything. And he was talking about how hot it was. Uh, but that was a that was a great game. And then all day Saturday, I was in the Adventures League Hall from 8 a.m. till 11 p.m. I did not leave once. And we ran the Game Hole Con special uh, that I wrote and that you helped write. And then yeah, how'd it go? How'd it go? I'm it went very well. It went very well. The, the only issue was the they had a uh, an audio system that worked for about 75% of the hall. So you could use it, which I was hoping we could do. But then the people in the back had a hard time hearing, so we ended up having to do change things in, in a couple small ways. Uh, but otherwise, it went very well. Most people were super happy with it. And that was in the morning. And then Saturday afternoon and evening, we ran the D&D Open. And and, how, and how'd that go? It went just like it did at Origins. Most of the people were like, this is the most fun I've had playing D&D ever. And a couple people were like, I want to kill things, and so we're leaving. Yeah, that sounds about right. I heard that Open was very much a role-playing intensive yeah. um, situation. Yep. I mean, you could handle things in a, in a variety of ways, but if you are used to sitting down and playing for four hours and having six combats... This was not the uh, event for you. And like I said, most people loved it. And we, when you're running it for about, you know, 50 plus tables, there's always going to be one table that it's not their cup of tea. And so that's OK. I was happy. All right. So this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the AL panel, they had an announcement about something kind of interesting. Yeah. So they were talking about AL and they didn't announce anything super new because they had just released the new rules and and so on but the one thing that they did announce was there was going to be a new campaign that's not attached to the hardcover release so season eight which we're in right now is tied of course to um water deep dragon heist and water deep dungeon of the mad mage um there's an eberron campaign that they're running but they're going to start a new campaign that's uh outside of those two purviews and it's called dreams of the red wizards and it's kind of based on what happened in Mallmaster in the Red War epic and, you know, what's going on in Thay and going on with the Red Wizards. Um, I did ask in the panel, will you be able to take your Adventures League character between the regular uh, campaign 
uh, the hardcover books and this new Dreams of the Red Wizards campaign, and I was told, yes, you could. Well, that's cool. I mean, it is in the same world, so it makes yep. sense, right? Yep. I just I was curious because they announced it, and I thought, well, maybe it's something you know really strange, but nope it's it's just its own campaign, so you can. You, uh, they said as they were describing why your character's story is yours to to tell. If you want to go between different campaigns, other than Ebron, of course, feel free to do so. That sounds pretty awesome. So I I can't even begin to describe more because my brain is fried, but... Oh, man, Game game Hold, the one time I was there, it was an amazing experience. I really, really want to get back out there. I really hope that I can go next year. It it keeps growing like 50% each year, it seems. Um because they used to have just kind of the end of the of the uh, hall there in Madison, and then they had half the hall, and now they've got three quarters of the of the convention center. And by the end, they'll probably within the next couple of years, they will have the whole convention center because they also run a huge uh, true dungeon experience there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's well, Alex Cameras par- partially owns True Dungeon, so you know that makes sense. True story. Um, so if you do get a chance to go next year, I would strongly suggest it, especially if you like to rub elbows with you know all of the major players in D and D design and streaming in you know that arena. Be there. All right, let's move on to the next thing. The sign up for Winter Fantasy 2019 has arrived. Yep. So the hotel block has been open for a couple of weeks. So if you know you're going to go, jump in and grab your hotel right now. But the DM signups just went live today. Uh, so if you are going to be running games at uh, Winter Fantasy, you can go to it is heraldsguild.com backslash winter dash fantasy and sign up. Uh, you can tell Bald Band Games what tiers you'd like to run, what times of the slot you want to run, any other special things that you'd like to do. If you run eight slots, you get a spot in a room for free. If you run four slots, you get your badge for free. Um, it, I can't, I've said this many, many times, but you know, if you're kind of new to the organized play scene or even to, to D&D and you want to come to a first convention to see how things work, especially if you want to volunteer to run some games, Winter Fantasy is a great first convention to come to. You know, bring four or five guys, gals, whoever you game with, get a room together. Uh, It's low pressure. It's cheaper than a lot of the conventions that you can go to because it's Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, But it's a great experience to get your feet wet in this community, um, this public play community that we've built. Um, It's how I got my start. And so I'm, you know, enthusiastic when other people use that same route to to join the community i will be there because you know why not because chris will be there because he's writing some stuff that's running there yeah maybe i'll actually get to run it this time you know just we'll see just remember when you sign up to dm to, uh, hey dave let me run the <laughs> stuff i wrote please yeah that, that'd be that'd be fantastic actually i'd love to do that do the thing all right on uh, next thing on our list to talk about uh real quick i suppose uh inserting this in here the uh, Queen City Conquest, that is our local gaming convention, we have announced our dates. Uh, I will be there. I'm one of the people that runs it. Hopefully, Sean will be there this year because uh, it's in July. It's always been in September. This year, we moved it to July because we have a new location. It's going to be much cheaper for everybody involved. 
and it's at Damon College from uh, the 12th to the 14th of July. And, uh, you know, we'll, there'll be more forthcoming from them, but I'm sure we'll have tons of Dungeons & Dragons for everybody to play. So there you go. Much more likely I'll be there now, for sure. I know, right? That's great. Great news. <laughs> mm, really like the space. Okay. Next thing, um, of ships and the sea. So these are optional rules for using ships in play, you know, like managing officers and crew, things like that, running a ship, owning a ship. There's even rules for mutiny and things like that in there, too. I bet there's probably... I didn't see any rules for keel hauling though. Did I, you? I did not. There, There is some talk about getting conscripted uh, by the military to, to use your ship. But this is the latest Unearthed Arcana document, so it's playtest content. And it really just revolves around using ships, um, whether mechanically, as in stat blocks that they create for ships, or downtime days managing your ship and owning your ship. Um, there's rules for travel at sea, hazards, overcoming hazards while you're you're on uh, on the open waters, how ships work in combat. All of that stuff is there. So if you are interested in seafaring campaigns and pirate campaigns, you really want to pick up this document because it has a lot of great crunchy stuff in it. Tons of it. It's like 12 pages, too. That's a lot of rules, actually. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not heavy on fluff. Let's put it that way. Um, and I really like it. I really like what they've done. Um, and I can see this being used maybe in some upcoming organized play can't, uh, adventures, especially ones that happen in the Moonshay Isles where there's a lot of sea travel. Right. That's what I was thinking. As soon as you, as soon as we started talking, I'm like, look, you can do some like Viking stuff mm -hmm. now with the Northlanders and you can do some pirate type stuff with like Silver's Pirates and the, the, the ships that sail out of Omen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can even have some elven ships. There's like all kinds of it's rife for that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. that kind of play. And they have stat blocks for everything from an airship to a rowboat. So it's it's all there for you to use. It's interesting because it it as I'm reading it. I'm thinking this is cool, but and what, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And it, and if you're a designer, go look at the document and see the dangers. Dangers not in the sense that they did anything wrong, but just dangers in the sense of designing a system that's very complicated or more complicated than the base system. You know, Because then you start asking questions, well, what about if your captain fails this check? Or what about if you try to put too many people in a rowboat? Or what about this? Or what about that? You know, All these questions start to come up, and it gives you a, um, a, an appreciation for how hard it is to design even a, a mildly complicated sort of system like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. I like mm -hmm. it, right? Like, it's, it's neat. I like stuff like that. It Plus, it, it uh, fits fits with my uh, my spelljammer type. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah. So you, if you're running spelljammer, you have to get this. Because mm -hmm. you could just these ships are all now flying around, yep. right? Like it works perfectly fine. Yep. So if you get it, let us know on the G plus community what you think. Yeah, we would greatly like to know that. Mm -hmm. uh, next thing. So before we get into our topic, Dragon Heist Chapter Three Fireball, um, I got to play or run, I should say, the first part or the Session Zero of the Eberron AL campaign, uh, what's past is prologue, and I'll be running the second part, or the actual first part with the characters, uh, this Friday. So, what's past is prologue? Pretty solid Eberron adventure. Most of it takes place on an airship. Mm -hmm. You know, exploring that, there's like an, a battle in the sky, and it's uh, it's good stuff. Um, I liked that in there, there was some 
they're like, well, these characters will not continue because they're, they're all pregens that you play. Mm-hmm. And they're all level zero characters, which is very odd. Right. So it's a lot of a lot of role playing, a lot of being sort of caught up in a in a thing, um, an exploration of a ship. But the the story itself is pretty good. If you if I do say so myself, I was very very happy with what um what they had in the adventure. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know, like that that whole adventure actually spawned one of the characters. So uh, I'm gonna put some spoilers on. If you don't want to hear this, skip ahead about sixty seconds. The the story goes that there's a airship that you're going to basically attack to get a bunch of dragon shards off of it. And this airship is not a House Lyrander airship. It's a House Kenneth airship that can be piloted by somebody without the mark of the storm. Mm-hmm. That's weird, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right right in and of that, like that's a big deal. And this ship, it had crates and crates of dragon shards on it. And it also had like 20 or 30 Warforge bodies on it that weren't animated yet. So like a small fortune in House Kenneth parts. Mm. Um, so, as the story goes, they, they actually dumped a bunch of the Warforged... Uh, they dumped all the Warforged into a, into the forest by um, by going heading back towards Sharn mm. when they got control of this ship. Uh, and then they also took some of the dragon shards, but they dumped the rest of them in, like, a lake mm. so they could come back and get them later. Mm. It was kind of funny. But... Like that was the only time that they played those characters, so we decided that one of the characters uh, that is going to be playing, taking part in the actual campaign, because we're not playing it using the AL um, right. stuff, we're just playing playing through yep. it. Uh, we decided that one of the characters is a Warforged that doesn't remember anything, and they're a Warforged that got thrown off of that ship. Hmm, that's funny. Yeah, it's pretty. And funny. it's interesting because uh, it's now against the law to create new Warforged. Yeah, but it wasn't during this this story because during the story it's happening during the last. Okay, war. gotcha. Cool. Yeah, this is actually the um, the spoilers are still on everyone. If you fast forwarded, uh, it, the last thing that happens is the day of mourning. Like mm-hmm. you're doing this on the day of gotcha. Morning. Yep, and that of course leads into the embers of the last war uh, campaign. The first six adventures of those are already out, and I think by the time this show drops the seventh and eighth will also be up on the dm scope yeah there you go they do them like every week i think yep. so yep and i wrote the eighth so if you if you play it let me know what you think i mean i will let you know what i think so we're going to play it it's just not going to be for like you know 16 weeks so like four months from now i'll tell you how it went sounds good i'll need all that time to prepare I, <laughs> I mean, it'll be. The, I can already tell you what I'm going to say. I'm like, Sean, that was pretty good because okay. you're pretty good at this stuff. All right, so but that'll be that'll be a pretty much right. Sounds thing. good. Uh, all right, let's talk about chapter three, Fireball. Can I? Um, so, like, I read this chapter and I'm like, oh, I get exactly what's going on here. And then I thought about it for a little bit while, and I'm like, if I was the kind of person that just generally ran D and D, I might have a really hard time with this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not super complicated. I think it's presented pretty well for what it's trying to do. I think it does one thing that I don't quite... There's one thing about it that threw me off. It's the question that I asked myself. Okay. And, and, and this is an investigation, right? Like, it's totally an investigation tracking a thing down. Yep. Um, why do the PCs get involved? Yes. That is, that is the exact point, um, which is... The event, well, let's, I'm going to step all the way back. If you're like a first time listener, we're talking about Dragon Heist here. We're going through yes. chapter by chapter and uh, and talking about what we thought of the adventure, some cool parts, some things that you might as a DM be able to improve it. 
and we're on chapter three right now, which is called Fireball. So the first two chapters were both very different in their presentation, right? The first, yes. the, the first chapter is kind of a couple mini dungeon crawls um, with with some events that link them together. Mm-hmm. Um, That's accurate. So any DM could probably pick that up and run it pretty easily. Uh, chapter two is completely the opposite. It is here are a bunch of things that you might want to do, maybe, but you have to make it up yourself and and very loosey goosey. Yeah, on purpose. It's supposed to yep. be a bunch of adventure seeds while you're learning about your bar because yep. you basically have a bar. Yep. This chapter kind of splits the difference between the two. There is a, an event that triggers all of the action that follows. And that event is very well scripted in terms of who's involved, what happens. Uh, but after that, it then becomes something where you as the DM will need to be able to react quickly to the whims of your players. Yeah, and there's plenty of information in this chapter to help you do Th- that. There is. In, in, uh, in that the, sense... The thing is, there's, yeah, go ahead. there's no hook, right? Right. You you kind of do have to make the hook. So let's describe what happens. Sure. So a fireball. That's what happens, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, there's, there's an explosion... And people die, and it's right in your neighborhood, right outside Trollskull Manor, which is where your bar is. Mm-hmm. And that's that incites everything. Now, let's we should probably talk about what's actually going on, right? Right. All right. So there's a gnome. There's a gnome. They're working for Lord Nevermember. Um, they have the Stone of Goldor, and for those who remember, the Stone of Goldor is like the MacGuffin that everybody's looking for because it has the way to get into the Dragon Horde. Mm-hmm. Which is where everybody's trying to get all the dragons from. Lord never remembers um, stash basically. Right. Uh, he couldn't escape the city, so he's planning on going to the PCs because you know the PCs helped uh, Raynar never remember Lord never remembers son. So they're like, well, if they helped the son, maybe they can help me too. But he gets blowed up real good, as you wrote, Sean, before he can get to their good. door. <laughs> and this happens right outside the brand new bar, hopefully tavern that the characters now own. So other than the fact that it happens outside the character's home, there really isn't any hook for them, as as Chris says. So now here's the crazy thing. You could just stay out of this whole thing if you wanted to. mm -hmm. There's there's no necessarily reason for the player characters to get involved in this Um, and things will just happen. Although we don't want that. Right. I don't think that's what we want at all. No, because we want them to get involved. We want them to be curious. We want them to follow this plot thread because it leads to the rest of the adventure, pretty much. It it does. Yeah. So, Chris, what are some ways that we could hook the characters here a little better if they are not the curious type? Well, hopefully they're... Some of them are allied with some faction or another, mm-hmm. right? Because then we can use the faction people to, like incite them to get involved yep. you know what's an easier way hmm. set their tavern on fire yeah that'll work too right like they just built this thing mm-hmm. if you set the tavern on fire they're going to want to know who burnt their tavern yes um, good call and the 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 trigger is the gnome is heading toward their tavern and an investigator who shows up later a city watch investigator 
figures out that they are that the gnome is going to their tavern. So he comes to them to question them. Hey, do you know this gnome and why he was coming to your tavern? So if you can move that information up so the characters realize, boom, this fireball goes off. Maybe they're sitting in the tavern, they see it, and their door blows off its hinges. And there's a gnome still holding the doorknob dead. Right. That that's a really good way to do that, right? Right. That that's that's brilliant. That adds the mystery right then, and it's it's not something that you have to wait for an NPC to show up. Yeah. Hey, everyone, just use that hook. Yeah. That's such a good hook. <laughs> who's this? Like, who's this gnome? Who's the, <laughs> and why was who's he... this gnome holding the doorknob that's dead now? Right. Right. <laughs> that if that doesn't get your characters and players curious about what happened, nothing will. I agree. Uh, that that is a very strong hook, Sean. I was thinking like, there's just a lot of really weak, not weak. Uh, there there are a lot of soft hooks. Mm-hmm. I'll call them that, right? right? Like, the the if you don't do it that way, it's really like, well, the investigator comes and is like, why is this gnome coming to you? And then they're like, there's a explosion outside your tavern. What does it have to do with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like nothing really. So like, I mean, only curious people will get involved. Right. Which you know, hopefully your adventures are curious. But that's a way better hook, Sean. Very good job. Thank you. Thank you. It's almost like I've done this before. I know, right? Uh, um, so after that happens, after this explosion, it becomes an investigation. Correct. What happened? Who did it? And, and you spelled out in the notes very well there, Chris. Yeah. So th- what's going on is uh, Yahal Garlhund had their personal nimble right follow the gnome, which I forget the gnome's name. It's written down somewhere. Well, uh, Dalakar. That's the name of the gnome. Mm-hmm. And the nimble right saw the gnome heading for... The uh, the tavern was afraid of losing the gnome, so the the, the nibble right through a fireball from a necklace of fireballs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a bunch of Zentarum following the gnome, yes. uh, Dalakar, and they got caught in the fireball. Uh, but Ustral Flox and he didn't die, and he managed to grab the stone and slip away. Mm-hmm. So, if the player characters take some time real quick to investigate, they can. They should be trying to figure out like who, what, where, and why. Yep. And um, there are some people that you can talk. Uh, well, t- like you only have a little bit of time to search the scene mm-hmm. before the watch arrives. But the, the who is the nimble right? The what is the stone of Golor? The where is the nimble right? Eventually goes to Gralhund Villa, and the nimble right was there to steal the stone. Yep. And uh, and eventually the stone will end up at Gralhund Villa. And there's a bunch of ways to point the player characters eventually to that. And that's the whole purpose of this chapter is to help the player characters get to Growlhund Villa or not actually mm-hmm. or just find out that information and then make a choice right. and so and th- there's a neat part of this adventure where if you want to do the full-on investigation you could take a full night session doing so um, you can because it's quite a convoluted trail back because a nimble right you know is a is a construct the nimble right that through the fireball was created by a different nimble right who was bored sitting alone in his attic uh, lair above the temple of God. So he created another one. The other one, however, got away and was being used by the, uh, the growl hunt family to, to carry out certain nefarious deeds. So it's it's not a straight path to the 
uh, manner unless you want it to be. Otherwise, your characters are going to have to follow these leads of, A, first questioning the people who saw what happened, B, taking that route through the Temple of Gond, getting a nimble right locator magic item that will help them locate this other nimble right that was used to throw the fireball. Yep, so, and on the way there, doing that, there's actually um, there's more other there's other nimble rights in town too. So, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Yep. Um, the 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 cool thing about this chapter is that it's 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 way it looks way more complicated than it actually is. That's true. Um, this is actually a pretty straightforward trail of clues that you have to follow. But this is this is probably the biggest problem I have with this chapter is it doesn't state that like it doesn't be like hey. Game masters, dungeon masters. Here's really what you need to do, which is, um, there is an explosion. The player characters get involved in the investigation. They need to find out that they need to figure out that there was this stone of gold or that was taken to Grahlhun Villa, mm-hmm. and that's where you need to get them to. Yep. Now that's the path that you are going to take information wise. It's just like. Which informational path are you taking to get there? Because Sean outlined one. There's a whole other one. Mm-hmm. You could go to Raynar. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's these eyewitnesses that you can talk to first. Yeah. There's three of them, in fact. Um, there's Fala Ledir, Ledelir, who uh, saw a cloaked man take something from the body of the dead gnome. Mm-hmm. Um, that man was uh, Ustrel Floxen. Mm-hmm. There's Jezerine Jez- uh, uh, Hornraven. They saw something like a puppet hurl something into the crowd that caused uh, an explosion mm-hmm. that leads you down the path to fi- finding Nim to finding the nimble, right? Um, tracker to f- uh, finding the nimble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, of course there's Martin uh, Trek who is a 12 year old kid that found a necklace of fireballs in a, in a bucket. Mm-hmm. And that's really just more of a, like uh, you get a magic item. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and a little bit more information. Yep. So yeah. And these are all things that you don't have to use, but you can use. And you can also, if your characters have hired um, some people to work at their tavern, they could be caught in the fireball, either killed or hurt. Um, oh, yeah. That's a great way to hook people, yeah. right? And so, you know, you could, you could, you have a lot of leeway with this eyewitness and the investigation, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we, we talked about those eyewitnesses. The, the player characters have a couple of minutes to search the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, before the watch arrives, so they can do that, and they can figure out that like there's a dead Zentarum amongst the carnage, and also some treasure on on the gnome. Mm-hmm. Um, then Barnabas Blastwin, who's a member of the Watchful Order of the Magistrates, he shows up, and he knows what he figures out what happens. He's a very much a, a Sherlock Holmes ish type character, mm-hmm. um, and the PCs could get him to reveal what he knows about the situation. Mm-hmm. So that's more information that they can get. The player characters. It, it, I like that this chapter also took into account that the player characters might go and cast speak with dead mm-hmm. if they have a way in with um, their factions or or whoever mm-hmm. to get at the dead bodies, and if they um, they can question Dalakar uh, about what he was doing there, or they can question the dead Zentarum mm-hmm. agent, which will tell them that Ustral Floxen was with them. Mm-hmm. So that's another way to find out about Ustral Floxen, because. Once you find out about Ustro Flox, and you can find out that he took the stone and he went to Grahan Villa, mm-hmm. right? If you um go the Nim route, it will eventually find the 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 um nimble right at the Grahan Villa. So all paths lead to Grahan Villa, and those are really the only two paths. Mm-hmm. So there you go, multiple paths to to the end of the the investigation. Yep. 
so that's that's really the investigative part, right? There's a lot of other like little cool things that go along with that and interactions, and there's a lot of text that covers all of that, but that's how simple it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nimbleright Finder, it will take you to Zarad Zord's Nimbleright ships, and like we've said a billion times mm-hmm. about this, I mean, that's an exaggeration, but spoilers are on all over the place. Yep. The ships there, they um they all have a Nimbleright on them, Jarlaxel is Zarad Zord. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a great way to introduce Jarlaxel if you want to. Yep. And if you have Drow PCs, he may try to recruit them into his organization. Correct. Uh, so that's that's really neat. I, I kind of like that a lot. Uh, so then everything ends at Grauhan Villa. And this is the first time I've seen, I think, the choice of villain impact the game. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that correct? I think so, yes. Yeah, so Yala Garlhun has a different motivation depending on the villain. Um, there's the four villains, and why they they're doing this is changes depending on that. So like you can sort of start tweaking your adventure to um, the situation. Mm-hmm. And there's two ways that the player characters could handle this: they can go themselves and check out the villa, or they can just tell the watch and see what happens. And the text covers both of those situations. And I don't have a problem. I mean, I'm. you don't have to force that, Game Masters, Dungeon Masters. Like, you can just let the watch handle it. There, It's a perfectly viable solution to this, I think. Yep. I don't think there's any anything wrong with it, because it doesn't stop the adventure. Right. Because the watch will come back. Um, What's his name? The 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 investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, Barnabas. Mm-hmm. He will come back and tell the player characters what, what happened. Right. If the player characters say, oh, we know where he went and we know what he did. So this is where you should go. He'll say, hey, great. I'll get a search warrant, essentially. And I'll go in. And when he does, he finds exactly what the characters would have found and comes back and tells them. So mm-hmm. uh, the part, the point is, though, the nimble right the rogue nimble right it flees the estate with the stone of gold or to go deliver it where the um oh her name from grahan villa i can't remember oh not oran oran's the husband the wife the wife is really in charge of that place yeah. so uh, where is it i didn't write it down i'm a bad person uh lady well they call, uh, yala yala grahan mm-hmm. there we go sorry about that uh she sends the nimble right to send it to whoever she's Whoever the villain is, mm-hmm. basically. That's how that works. Yep. And that so, triggers what's going to come in the next chapter. Correct. Now, Sean, <laughs> this section must have been very infuriating to you. It there is so There's so much house here, and there's nothing going on except for a fight in progress. Yeah, it's... I, I understand why it's done, because it's a big villa, and we, let's make a cool map of the big villa. And so I... I can't argue with that. And I'm not even all that upset that most of it is is empty, basically. Uh, I, they do a, a decent job of at least putting cool things in there. Um, so, you know, the, the guest suite, you know, has some different panels and, and little secrets about it. And there's a wrestling mat in one of the rooms. And, you know, it's, it's different. And, and and it is different, and that's okay. It's not just empty room, so I can I can uh, I can forgive that. Yeah. So the Zents have taken over the estate and are fighting the Growl Hunts. That's what's going on right now because, um, they want the Stone of Goldor for themselves, and uh, and there's like a, a kind of bad blood between the Zents and the Growl Hunts because of the 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 
nimble right in the fireball. Mm-hmm. So there's like uh there's like a lot of tension there. Right. Um the the cool things that you were talking about, the ones that I that I liked, like the the poor groundkeeper <laughs> and the mastiffs that they have yeah. that he has, like he turns into a shadow every night cuz they he's been cursed. I suppose it's worth saying that the Grauhuns are um worshipers of Asmode, mm-hmm. which, you know, not illegal in Waterdeep, so nope. whatever. Which is weird to me, like that sh- if, if anything's going to be illegal, I feel like it should be worshiping Asma- Asmode, right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Is that like yeah. Wow, I guess I'm just a I, I guess I just have a problem with with devil worshiping religions. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in real life you probably should, but this is I mean, this is as, a, as a side note to to what we're talking about, I've watched all of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, mm. and apparently the Church of Satan, like the real life Church of Satan, sued um, Netflix <laughs> right. for for their depiction of uh, of devil worship. It's hilarious. Well, I think it was more <laughs> a copyright infringement because one of the idols or something looked exactly like their. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't realize that the that the thing probably in their uh, uh, whatever station their their school looked like that. Right. Interesting. Well, to go okay. to go off topic one more time uh, in the in sure. the open, the there is uh, worshippers, cultists of Asmodeus, uh, you know, in, involved, and the PCs would always run to the watch and say, "Ooh, we see cultists, we see cultists. They're worshiping Asmodeus, or they're devil worshiping." And the guards are like, "Yeah, uh, did they do anything illegal?" But then, but then, uh, yeah. Did you see anything? Did they hear any screams? Was there any blood? No. Uh, was it a noble house? It was. Wow. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh man. Good times. People apparently just don't realize that devil worship is perfectly legal in Waterdeep. Yeah. Oh man. So uh, another thing, like horseshoes of speed on horses. I mean, nobles—they such—they're such wasters of money. Yes. <laughs> Really? Um, some of the interesting things, as far as like fighting and whatnot, there are other interesting things in this place, but um, Oran Galrond, he can give some info here as long as his wife isn't around. Mm-hmm. So like that's a thing. Uh, he can tell the player characters uh, a few things, that the Stone of Goldor, it's some kind of ancient creature transformed into an artifact. Mm-hmm. That's the first time that kind of gets dropped in play. Yep. Um that House Galran has been bankrolling the Black Network operations in Waterdeep for a while, including the plot to kidnap Rainer Nevermember um, and steal the, the Stone of Golder from his father's gnome spy, Dalakar, so they can solve that mystery that way. Yeah. At least for themselves. And that his wife was frustrated with the Zents and their inability to secure the artifacts, so she gave a necklace of fireballs to her mechanical servant and sent it out to help retrieve the stone. But it was careless and caught the Zents in the fireball by mistake. So you can get the whole story from him of what happened. Absolutely. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna correct you on one thing, and it's sure. gonna be really funny. It's it's never ember, never ember because never member is a whole different thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, it, uh, you, 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 we got some phallic humor going on there. That that is pretty never member. That's bad. Yeah, Sean. It's okay. We're a we're a PG thirteen show, and I guess not. not I mean, I, I suppose that's, that's totally that's PG thirteen. Yeah, it's totally PG thirteen. It's almost a dad joke. It, it, oh, I I'm deep in the dad jokes. Deep in the dad jokes. Yeah. All right. Um, don't kill any nobles. Mm. That's bad. Yes. Kill as many zents as you want. Don't kill a noble. That death penalty bad mm-hmm. is what we're talking about right oh, there. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how that rolls. Like, um, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the player characters they might be able to get some sort of 
leeway or favor with some of the factions here or get their eyes get eyes on them from some people you could play it that way if you want mm-hmm. uh but like i said the um i think i said it before the 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 mechanical creature the the nimble right nimble right thank you the nimble right is going to take off before the player characters can get it mm-hmm. with the stone of goldor and it's going to be in the wind because that's chapter 4 yep so there you go uh, the one cool thing I like in the aftermath is that, like, there's a Zentarum raid in the city after that. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool, right? Like, if you're a Zent, like, the City Watch comes for you. Right. Uh, inside of that, uh, Istrid. Istrid, I forget her last name. Mm-hmm. What's her last name? Istrid Horn. That's it. Istrid Horn. She contacts the player characters, and she wants to know what happened at the uh, the villa, and then she wants them to hide her. At their bar. Yep. So that's really kind of a cool thing right there if if uh, the player characters get involved with that. Mm-hmm. So that's a uh, that's pretty much the chapter. That like I said, the only my my big problem with it was uh, um I had two problems with it was why would the PCs get involved? Your hook really solves that problem. I think mm-hmm. that's like the best hook I could that that could possibly be exist for that. Yep. I would imagine. And um, I wish there was a flow chart, a bit of a better flow chart of how the information can be distributed. Yep. I could because there's no flow. Chart. Yeah, I could see both of those things would improve it a bit. But, you know, DM, just prepare a little bit more ahead of time. Figure out what your players are probably going to want to do based on what you know about them. And you should have no trouble. Yeah. I mean, it's not a long chapter either. It's what, 14 pages, yep. maybe 16 pages. And a lot of it's text in the uh, a good five, four of it is text in the in the um, the villa. So not not too difficult to 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 figure out yeah and next time we will talk about chapter four dragon season where it's not short and we will have a lot to talk about yeah we might break that up into two yeah parts. i could see that happening. it's a pretty it's a pretty big section yep. all right well thanks everybody so much for listening we'll do some patreon shout outs now uh blaze a bear chelsea clark dan simons david walker donahue mccarthy drew smith evil rich glenn seiler jason pitt jean lorber uh Jeff Stevens, Jim Morrison, John, Just John, Yuho Rutila, M.T. Black, Matthew Pezzarulli, Nate Brooms, Remy Bilodeau, Rob Bush, Robert Aducci, and Robert Day. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down at the Indie, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website, and for a paltry $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out. Or for $4 a month, you not only get a shout-out, but you also get to see our pre-production show notes, and you get access to our Slack Room for Life. Yeah, if you want to help us out monetarily, uh, if you can't help us out monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple Podcast review. Those help, even if you're not listening via Apple Podcasts, because other podcatchers use Apple Podcasts to rate and rank shows, and that would help us make that would. Now you got me doing it, Chris. That would <laughs> help make us more visible. <laughs> so, Sean. Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin, or you can check out the Mad Wizard at Menagerie Wizard, or come to the Down with D&D G Plus community and let us know what you think. How about you, Chris? Well, you can catch me at Misdirected Mark. That is the network and the show Twitter. Like That's where you can find all that stuff. I mean, you know, if you look and find anything posted by Casper Fire, especially on Patreon, that's usually me writing that stuff, so... You should go check out the Patreon for the Mad Wizards of Menagerie. There's some often some entertaining things that pop up there publicly, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, give that Patreon a back too if you want. You know, it'd be, it'd be I'd, I'd appreciate it. I know Sean would appreciate oh, yeah. it. You can also just go to the website, 
where you can catch other great shows such as this one. Pandas Talking Games. Fill and send to answer your questions about RPGs from the perspective of one-shots and campaigns with some panda slayness. In fact, they're playing um, playing games right now. So they're playing the Legacy Weapon, which you can also get via Encoded Designs, and uh, which is a Dungeon World supplement, and hear them play through their uh, their campaign that they're playing. Down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Well, Sean, after that completely screwed up and terrible outro, which I hope Jesse will fix, what are we going to do now? We're going to go kill some Zintara. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? What happened?